If I can grab your attention uh, back to the front, that would be fantastic. My name's Roger, for those of you who haven't met me, and uh, with Dave and previously with Judy, we've served together on the staff team here. Can you welcome Judy, please? We're going to have to share this mic, so I didn't think of that, sorry. Uh, Judy, Judy Murphy, for those of you who might not have met her, though many of you have, uh, has uh, come to the end of serving in her secretarial administration role over many, many years. Is that right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Judy, um, uh, a bit of a highlight for me, actually, is hearing how you came to be at this church in the first place. So do you mind sharing that with sure. us? Sure. Um, Colin and I came to a conclusion... Um, along the way that um, we wanted to know more about God and um, so we decided the best place to find out was to come to church and read the Bible and um, so not only did we get to know more about God we actually um, both ended up becoming Christians and um, actually knowing God um, so that was very exciting. Fantastic, isn't it? Mm. That's a wonderful gift of God and he's been doing it here for many years. Yeah. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the history of how you came to be in this role with us and, uh, you know, any uh, particular facts that will help people place uh, uh, sort of the, the evolution of that role? Right. Um, part of um, becoming Christians was looking for opportunities um, to serve God and his people here, and um, it so happened that the um, position um, came up to um, work as administrator in the office. Um, in those days, it was um, less complicated, probably, and... Um, That's because I wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it evolved over the years, Rog. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a can you give us a little sample of what sort of high tech equipment were you using back when you started? <laughs> yes, the, the, the um, first bit of office equipment, um, or there were you know, a couple. Um, one was a second hand typewriter. The O either totally perforated and left a, just a black blob, or um, didn't appear at all. Um, <laughs> apart from that, there was a gestetna, which was a hand-operated machine with black ink, um, and I worked on Wednesdays, and by the next Wednesday, I finally had hands clean enough to get black again. <laughs> and there was also the dreaded spirit duplicator. Isn't that the one we used to all think was great when we were kids at school? Something yeah. like that, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Especially on a hot day. Yeah. Mm. Fantastic. Well, Judy, can you share with us um, some of the joys and challenges, I guess, that you've experienced over these 40-plus um, years that you've been serving in this yeah. way? Um, the joys have mainly been people um, rather than um, the work itself um, in that getting to meet people, um, spending time with them, sharing life with them. Um, but that's also been one of the big challenges as well. Um, sometimes um, it can be fairly emotional um, in meeting people where they're at. Um, 
I was saying to Roger that um, I remember one day in particular where I went from a sad funeral to someone excited because they had a baby wanted to be baptised, um, a wedding inquiry, and then um, talking to a nurse at the hospital who was wanting someone to come because um, someone was dying. So that day was an emotional roller coaster, and um, Roger understands that because he gets plenty of those. Um, but days can be like that, um, and it's just um, actually a privilege to be able to meet people at the point of their particular need or their actual excitement about something and to stand by them, encourage them, um, have an opportunity to share the gospel um, and um, just to walk with them on their journey at that time and um, hopefully um, connect people with Jesus. Fantastic. You're holding it together well. <laughs> Sue Bryan uh, has been here uh, and interacted with Judy, and I thought I'd ask her in a minute, in a couple of minutes, she's going to lead us in prayer. No, keep coming, keep coming. This is you. Uh, and, uh, but I thought I'd ask her just to share a few reflections, you know, from uh, you know, people wider than, than just me. Um, so, Sue, please take the mic. Oh, Judy, you've done it. <laughs> Judy and I have known each other for <clears throat> a few years. Um, our paths crisscrossing um, during our time here at Emu Plains. We've usually worshipped at different services along the way, though, but last century there were all sorts of events that would bring us together, you know, special occasions. Um, we've often recalled those times, usually with a laugh, um, and a bit of denial about how long ago it all happened. During this century, uh, we've been involved in many more fun things together here, and we've become friends. Um, I've been struck, as I'm sure you will have all been struck, by Judy's generosity, her sense of humour, her ability to keep a confidence, and her patience and her understanding. Uh, which doesn't mean that she never gets annoyed. But Judy's approachable and she's an excellent listener, which makes her such a good friend. Of course, underpinning all this is Judy's dedication to God's word, her striving to follow it and to see God's kingdom grow. Judy always wants to see others know Jesus. That's why she undertook studies at Mary Andrews College, and it's led a growth group for goodness knows how long. And I've had the privilege of being in Judy's growth group for many years. And that's why she gives a Bible or a Luke's Gospel or whatever to people like the man who might come and deliver the stationery supplies every few months. She's got to know him. And so that just flows out of that relationship. Or it could have been the photocopier man or... Or it might be a kind word of encouragement or an invitation to one of us or someone else in her neighbourhood. That's the duty I know and that's the duty that I appreciate and I'm sure you do too. Thanks, Jude. You can clap that. <laughs> <laughs> you sit with me. You can stand there for a sec on my right. Sorry, you stand on my right sure. so you're not behind me. Um, uh, now I'm going to say something short yeah, sorry. 
Um, I've known Judy for the last 15 years uh, since I came to be the senior minister here and uh, I think what Sue said uh, gives lots of examples of what uh, really brings me great joy in serving with Judy and with you in the mission and ministry of this church is she's doing what all of us uh, do as followers of Jesus. She's, she's being a disciple who disciples others. Here's the person in front of me. How can I love them uh, with the gospel, through the gospel, uh, in the place that they're in in their life? And uh, it really has uh, been a joy to serve shoulder to shoulder with Judy and with the other members of the, the staff team, as well as with all of you. And uh, it's my privilege to know you. Yeah. Now, uh, we've asked you to pray. We're going to do that before or after. Why don't I give you a gift? Is that all right? Yeah, all right. We'll do that first. Piper, would you mind grabbing the flowers, please? What? Stop. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'll grab Judy, uh, this is a small token of our appreciation. Uh, these flowers, and uh, secondly, I don't have it in my hands, but Judy, Judy's technology evolved to using computers and many computers over the years, and so uh, what we're giving with the gift that we uh, took a collection for is a new uh, laptop for Judy to take, because the work laptop's staying here and doing more work here, but for her to have for herself. And so you've all contributed to that. Thank you for those who've done that. And it's our joy and pleasure uh, to mark this day. Okay, I'm going to pray um, for Judy. Lord God, we thank you that you gather us together in this place. And we thank you how you equip each of us in various ways to serve you. Today we thank you especially for Judy and her willingness to use her skills in your service among us here. We thank you for her faithfulness, her generous heart and the way she has reflected your love of her to us here and others beyond our church. We thank you for her concern for people in practical ways flowing out of her desire to see others come to Jesus. And so, Lord, at this time of change, we pray for Judy and Colin that you will uphold and bless them as they continue to serve you in this new phase of life. We pray for Ingrid that you will equip and uphold her as she seeks to serve you in her new role. And lastly, Father, we pray for us all that we will be thankful for all that you have provided, that we'll continue to depend on you and seek your will and use our gifts to serve you to see lives transformed by Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Judy. I'm going to miss all Judy's stories and I come to the office. She's always got a great story. I have to catch up with you to catch the stories, Judy. Uh, the year six, seven, uh, year six and seven students can head out now with Rose and Louise is there. Uh, you can follow them out. Yes, that's you guys. Uh, for the rest of us here, we're going to be reading the Bible now. Uh, and uh, we're going to be beginning in the book of Genesis and then also reading a psalm. So I invite up Peter and Sue. You can come back as well. Is Sue...
Oh, there you are. You're right there. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Morning, everyone. Continue our study on um, Genesis, as Dave said. Don't think anyone's going to need too many, too much of a hand to try and find that one. So we're starting on Genesis 1 from verse 24. So after the fifth day of creation, we're talking. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God sought all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So the second reading is Psalms and Psalm 8, reading Psalm 8 this morning. So for the director of music, according to Gittith, a Psalm of David. Lord our God, how majestic is your name in the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What a great psalm. If you would uh, keep your Bibles open and turn back to Genesis 1 and uh, we'll be uh, looking at God's word there together as well as well, we will have the verses uh, this morning up on the screen. Well, the question uh, that arises today is what does it mean to be human. 
just a relaxing question on a Sunday morning. I thought we'd start at light today. Uh, but as you look around you and as you think about your answer, what do you see when you look around? Uh, we, we have such an incredible capacity for good. Uh, we think, we feel, we build, we plan. Uh, and when things go wrong, like the recent floods, we do good. We care, we share, we give, we go and we go on. And yet the other side of the coin is this extraordinary capacity for evil. Like looters robbing empty homes after the floods. Leaders taking advantage of those they lead. Even whole populations holding them to ransom. Committing murder and genocide. What are we meant to make of ourselves? What does it mean to be human? And with all these observations, are we good? Are we evil? Or are we both? And what is our purpose in life? We could come up with all sorts of answers for ourselves through observation, through contemplation. But as we heard Genesis 1, verse 26 to 30 read, we're given this extraordinary answer, a wonderful answer. And it's right up front in the first chapter of the whole Bible that has over a thousand chapters. But as we hear it, the rest will fill that out. Being human means being made in the image of God. Being human means being made in the image of God. But then, of course, that raises the question, what does being in the image of God mean? Uh, Does it have something to do with what we look like? That's the first thing that comes to our mind when we hear of image. Or is it having a soul or spiritual awareness or the ability to make or a moral compass of what's right and wrong? This morning we're coming to the maker and sitting at his feet to understand what it means to be truly human. And so to do that, we're going to break it up into uh, four steps along the way. Uh, The first here, concentrating on Genesis 1, where we are created in God's image. Then we'll cast our eyes from the beginning further into the Old Testament to the image of God after the fall. Then uh, the image when Jesus arrives and finally drawing the threads together, life for us, bearing his image. Now, I said we'll start at Genesis 1 first. Genesis 1 verse 26 on the sixth day of creation. What does the creation of humanity, as it's accounted here, teach us of who we are. I'll read it again. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, when we were looking at Genesis 1 together last week, we saw that there's a a pattern that keeps getting repeated from day to day. But when we get here, that pattern is broken in a noteworthy way because on all the other days of creation uh, God said let there be something uh, and it was so 
But this time it's different. In the first place, he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so that very difference alone draws our attention, especially to this moment in God's creation, the creation of humanity. Then there's the words themselves. Why does one God say, let us? Uh, Who is the us? Well, it's certainly not many gods when everything else here screams there's only one God. And he's not talking to angels or other spiritual creatures either as if it was some sort of throne room conversation because when God makes people in verse 27, it's him and his image singular that's referred to. Now, it could be a way of addressing himself out loud, you know, sort of a way of speaking, a manner of speaking. But but really, in light of what comes after this, God is opening a little window for us, his hearers, a window into the complexity of what he is like. Because we know now uh, God is one God, but three persons, Father, Son and Spirit, You couldn't work that out just reading these words in front of us without the rest of the Bible. But as we see them here, so they point to what was to come and now has. Now, like everything else in God's creation, uh, another thing to notice here is we were made. Verse 26 and 27 both say that really clearly. People are part of the creation, like the rest of creation. We're not equal to God Uh, he's made us so we're accountable to God now some people find that offensive uh, because they don't want to answer to anyone but on the other hand it means we have meaning and purpose it's a meaning and purpose it's given to us by God and so God defines who we are and what we're about and he does He does it with the words that come next. We are in his image. We are made in his likeness. Now, there are two ways of saying the same thing, but in what way are we in his image and in his likeness? Well, the wonderful thing is uh, the, the, the passage goes on to actually express that and flesh that out. The first way is in ruling. So in verse 26, everything else that's been made on the earth is ours to rule. And again, in verse 28, God repeats that intention. Humanity is to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature on the ground. And so just as God rules over his world, we're given a responsibility to rule too, under him, where his representatives or ambassadors You know what it's like, countries like Australia will send someone over to another country as our representative, as an ambassador, uh, to speak on our behalf. In this case, we rule as people under God's great rule. The other way we're made in his image is through relating. And that's here right at the start as well. Verse 27 fleshes that out. God created Uh, man in his own image but then he says male and female he created them and so whether you're male or female you you hear here that you are made in the image of God Uh, but there's clearly a sense in which 
uh, both are needed for humanity to be in God's image. Because relating is very much at the heart of who God is and who we are. We, we are created for unity but have differences as well. Uh, and that's really the foundation of any relationship. Just as God himself has the unity of the Father, Son and Spirit, but there are differences between the three as well. Now we're going to press pause on uh, this aspect of being in God's image, of relating, uh, until we come to men and women again in chapter 2. That's in two weeks' time. But the last thing to notice in this part of Genesis, in Genesis 1, is who makes food for whom? Do you remember last week uh, how we talked as we read Genesis 1 about the myths uh, that were around the time, the creation myths that existed amongst other peoples? Uh, one of those said that people were made to work to feed the gods. Uh, but what we see in verse 29 and 30 is that God's the one who makes food for the people that he's made. See, it's the other way around. He doesn't depend on us. We depend on him. What Genesis 1 shows us is that the heart of who we are is ruling and relating. Ruling over creation, not as gods, but as stewards, as messengers, as representatives of the God who made us. Now let me ask you, what's your experience of ruling like? Uh, is yours anything like mine? Uh, I water a camellia bush on a hot day out here in uh, Sydney's western suburbs to try and keep it alive, and the next day the Penrith sun comes out even stronger and it scorches it the next. Uh, anyone else as good with, uh, you know, uh, growing things as me? You know, plants come to our house to die. Uh, does everything you make work? Uh, does everything you do stay done? Has anyone here weeded their garden only once? We know there's something cracked with our ruling. There is something wrong with the world, wrong with us. And Genesis 3 will explain why. Because when we were all sweet, when it was all sweet between people and God, uh, the first people and representative of all people reached out against God tried to rival God when that wasn't what we were made to be. It's the ultimate attempt at a coup. But when that happens, do we lose the image of God? Well, have a look at these two verses with me. Genesis 5, verse 3, and we read, When Adam had lived, the first person had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. And so as Adam was made in the image of God, so that image is passed on to his children. Come to Genesis 9 verse 6 and after the flood <clears throat> and notice the reason why God gives such a heavy penalty for murder. 9 verse 6, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in, in the image of God has God made man. <coughs> Genesis 5 and 9, they take place after uh, everything went wrong in Genesis 3 
where the problems and the problems with our rule entered the world, but clearly humanity is still made in God's image. In fact, we see how important that image is, where killing a person is fundamentally different to killing anything else in creation because people alone are made in God's image. Now, the other thing that comes through after uh, this part of Genesis in the rest of the Old Testament is that the language of image keeps getting attached to idols and false gods that people make and put their trust in instead of the true God. And what's God's criticism of these images? I mean, there are plenty of examples. You can read them through the the different uh, books, the narratives and prophets of, of the Old Testament. Uh, But uh, here's one you could look up later for yourself, Isaiah 45, verses 6 and 7, Isaiah 45, 6 and 7, where the criticism God makes of these human-made images is that they can't do anything, they can't speak, they're so useless they actually need you and I to pick them up to move them from one place to another. (laughs) It's a great picture, isn't it? The images we make are useless. But God has placed his image in creation in us. We are the only ones who have the privilege to bear his image as we rule, as he rules, as we speak and relate as he does. Now, before we get to the image, uh, when Jesus arrives, uh, what about Psalm 8 that was also read out for us today? Look look over what it says, and it's not hard to empathise with the writer because he's doing this thing, he's like he's marvelling at the awesome and powerful creator and then he's just so humbled by the place God has given us. Uh, I'll pick it up from verse 4. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. And it's Genesis 1 all over again, isn't it? And with it, we see our identity. We see our dignity. God made people as his rulers, as his stewards, as his ambassadors and representatives. But when Jesus arrives, he takes it to the next level. What is revealed about the image of God when he arrives? Well, in the first place, he reinforces what we've heard elsewhere in God's word earlier. He teaches our obligation to God as people dependent upon God and made in the image of God. There's a great parable, I haven't got time to um, go through it all now, but there's a great parable uh, when uh, some of the religious leaders are trying to uh, trap Jesus and they ask about paying taxes to Caesar. And what Jesus does is he turns it around on them and he ends up saying that because we are made in the image of God, we have an obligation to live our life in response to God. That's in Matthew 22 uh, from verse 15. I encourage you to have a look at it. But what Jesus is saying there, that's nothing new. But Jesus comes 
And we are told that he comes as the image of God. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15, uh, it was read out as one of our readings last week. Let me remind you of it in these words. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. If you want to see God, then look at Jesus. Uh, The creation was made through him and by him and for him. He rules over all. And we usually read this passage and are thinking about how he is truly God, but and that's certainly true, but it's not it's not like when God made us in his image that he made us gods. But Jesus is also God's image because he is human in the way that we were meant to be. Jesus is where God and humanity, uh, the image of God, meet. He's God's image because he is God, but also because he is the true and sin-free human. Now remember the lofty description of Psalm 8 about humanity ruling all. Hebrews 2 uh, from verse 5 picks up Psalm 8, actually quotes Psalm 8 and looks at our experience because, you know, as we've already identified, that our experience seems different to the way things were in Genesis 1. But it brings the two together and the writer of Hebrews says, you're right to see that there's this doesn't go together. But Jesus makes all the difference. And so we read from verse 9, but we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. You see, Psalm 8 is on the one hand pointing back to Genesis 1 and on the other it is pointing forward to Jesus as he rules the world through his death and resurrection. Because remember how integral ruling is to who we are, to being in the image of God. As he rules the world through his death and resurrection now, he as one person fulfills everything God has in store, had in store for all people. But that's not all. When we place our trust in him, which after all is the only appropriate response to the word of God we're hearing today and that we hear each week. Uh, He restores us in his image as well. Uh, We've been remade. That's how the Bible speaks of it. Uh, Have a look at Colossians 3. This is a bit similar to a passage we read in Ephesians a few weeks uh, before Easter. But it says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We've been remade, uh, born again, as we heard on Easter Sunday. And our new self is being renewed, renewed in knowledge, in in our relationship, in our understanding, in, in the wonder of the image of our creator. But the job isn't all done yet. The transformation is still going on. Throughout our lives, lives live trusting Jesus. Our bodies decay, 
but our likeness to God is growing day by day. And the time will come when our bodies catch up with the glory that's already ours. And on that day, on that day we will take our place, the place God intended from the very beginning of ruling over creation with him. 2 Timothy chapter 2 from verse 11, if we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. From the privilege of Genesis 1 to the tragedy of our fallen nature to the great restoration that Jesus brings. What do we make of all that now and here today? Uh, We've been given the highest honour in creation. That is certainly true. We are created in the image of God But as the story of God's rescue plan unfolds, we read it's the story of restoring the brokenness we brought on ourselves to again living the way God intended us to live. Jesus is the climax, ruling as we were unable to for ourselves. And he's caught us up as we trust and are united with him to be what we were created to be. And so to... To be truly human is to know Christ. To be truly human is to know Christ. How do we live now? Knowing him, bearing his image. Well, look, there are many implications. Uh, We can't cover them all uh, this morning, but let's touch on some of the most pressing. The first is that human life has real value in and of itself and ought to be treated with dignity and respect. Now, we could talk about the news at this point we see from overseas and of racism and exploitation and oppression, Uh, but it's closer to home than that, isn't it? It actually happens right here in Sydney on our patch. Uh, Are you aware of employers taking advantage of their employees? I certainly am. Uh, And of families that manipulate and control their members? I'm aware of that too. Uh, Are you aware of people being treated differently, more or less favourably, because of how they look or the colour of their skin? I am. And of women abused and taken advantage of because men are physically stronger than they are. I'm aware of that too. But the danger to devalue another person and their dignity made in the image of God is still even closer to home than that because it lies within our own hearts. We are wholly capable of it no less. Do you get frustrated by people, angry with them? Uh, Do you think of others in terms of what they can do for you in how they'll make you feel or what they can give you? We all have. But remember, like you, they bear the image of our God. James, in his letter, highlights the contradiction that with our tongues we can 
praise God in one breath and in the next curse the very people made in his image. But it mustn't be that way. For Genesis teaches us who we are uh, and who we are to each other. Valued by God. Created in the image and likeness of God. And so this, this understanding, this recognition, uh, this revolution means uh, will affect how we view ourselves, uh, not on the terms of anything else other than being made in the image of God. But it, it changes how we view others and it affects many of the issues that we come across in life. Like the questions of abortion and euthanasia. Uh, how we get care for the elderly and the disabled and for children and for others who are vulnerable. It shapes how we serve them and don't exploit them because they too bear the image of God. We value people in life because God does and he alone rules over it. Bearing God's image will also shape how we view the planet. Uh, we of all people should understand people's role was intended as managing rather than plundering the planet. Uh, we just can't keep digging up, billowing out and throwing it away. <laughs> we have to ma manage the resources God's entrusted to us uh, and consider the real costs of things even if they don't have a dollar cost on them. I'm not saying we should worship the planet uh, the environment isn't our God, but under God it is our responsibility. And so consider what you consume and the part your decisions are making in how we rule. Bearing God's image must, of course, shape how we view Christ. Uh, it's not popular to talk about ruling or authority or leadership. I'm even conscious of that as I speak to people, even as I speak with you. Uh, and yet, as we've read Genesis, it's very much right at the forefront, isn't it? That, that's the role God gave us over the creation. And after Genesis, the Christ fulfills the role that we were unable to. And in that way, we come under his authority. So are you living as a subject of the king? Have you humbled yourself to live under him? Finally, bearing God's image shapes how we live as people who do trust in him. We value people because they, like us, bear the image of God and it's his great longing for them that they would be remade in the image of Jesus as well. And so that's why we love each other. That's why we love others. Uh, with the good news that Jesus brings and has brought in us. Uh, that's why we give thanks to God for Judy's example, as with many others among us, that we can imitate. And so let's love each other as we grow in the knowledge of the image of God, as we put that life, new life that is ours in Christ, 
as we live it out in our lives. Asking ourselves questions like, what choices uh, will I make that will benefit those who don't know or need to know Jesus better? Uh, What choices will I have to make? How will I kindly get closer to others and know others so I know what's going on for them and know where they're up to as we walk together each step along this journey? Because to be truly human is to know Christ. And the day is not far away when all who are truly human will share in his glory. Praise God for that. I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you that you not only reveal yourself to us, but you reveal who we are as people made by you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that not only did you make us in your image, but you have remade us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that your spirit would work in us today and each day, that we might honour you with our lives lived in humble dependence and take up the responsibilities that you have wonderfully given for us that Jesus, above all, would be glorified. And we pray this in his mighty name. Amen.